Thanks, everybody, again, for joining us. I've um, got Eric Mayer, uh, president of EDP Biotech here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, before we got started, well, first of all, thank you for joining us Thanks today. Thanks for having really me. You, man. Excited to hear about this is out of all the interviews I've done so far. This is probably the one that's um, that could have the most impact for common everyday people, yeah. no matter your socioeconomic group, because we're going to be talking about um, what a lot of people have been discussing um, here over the last couple of weeks, and that's um, antibodies and how those are going to impact um, the, the treatment and the diagnosis, and um, I guess even being able to tell whether or not people are immune to uh, COVID-19. Is that correct? Medicine. Uh, well, oh, hi, Kennedy. You're on screen. Can you guys go downstairs? <laughs> We're doing an interview. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun working from home. Um, you know, again, I, I, thanks for having me. I will say that I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Um, you know, I, I am a microbiologist by training. Uh, in terms of the immunity, you know, there's a lot of things we don't yet know about this virus. And I think that getting the data is the first step to finding out what a herd immunity may look like. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't have the knowledge yet. So I'm cautious to say that this is going to show that people are immune or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but what this will show is whether they've been exposed to the virus, has their body started to make antibodies. Our normal immune system will create these antibodies naturally once we're exposed. If the infection is not uh, going to overwhelm us and create a, a very severe case, you know, hopefully we will have mild cases, we'll recover, our bodies will have antibodies. Uh, and the way the immune system works is that if our body encounters that infection or that pathogen again in the future, mm -hmm. those antibodies are already there and can immediately uh, mount the natural immune response. That's the hope, uh, and we just need to go out and collect a lot more data to make sure that that's actually the the reality. And before we got live, we were I was talking about how to me I've, I've tried to keep up with what's going on because I like to know, like to be informed. And it seems about over the last week, I've read more and more stories uh, about how this is, you know, there's about a three or four pronged approach to figuring out how we can beat this thing. Obviously, trying to get a vaccine is part of it. Obviously, social distancing is a part of it. Obviously, testing is a part of it. Uh, but the antibody por portion has been um, growing over the last couple of weeks. And so I'm um, really, really excited to hear more about what you have to say and some of the possibilities and kind of where we are right now and where we hope to go. Um, we were we were discussing, um, as with everyone that I, I've had an opportunity to interview, uh, where we met, and we determined that it was about about a half decade ago or so, um, watching North Carolina basketball. Eric Woo! is a UNC alum, so <laughs> huge Tar Heel fans. We, uh, you and I, just like a lot of people, were disappointed that we didn't have a, an NCAA tournament this year, but um, I think we both agreed that it was for the best. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of people, mostly online, of course, uh, with social distancing. You know, I think this is the right thing to do. Uh, I thought that it was the right thing to do when we started these stay at home uh, and safer at home type uh, of programs and orders. Um, you know, I think that, again, it's going to take a lot more data for us to understand. But I'm optimistic. I think that within the next you know, couple of weeks, even we can really start to see uh, these, you know, they talk about flattening the curve. I think we yeah. may be in sort of the peak area right now, according to data I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. um, that's been hampered by the lack of testing availability. Yeah. So we don't really know what the true numbers are, uh, but we're starting to learn those. 
And what we're seeing is, uh, in, at least from my perspective, uh, is that, you know, if this follows normal kind of curve patterns and things we've seen in other countries, hopefully we're kind of towards the top and we're going to start to trail off. And, and maybe by the summer, I think May might be optimistic. I've always said maybe June or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we do need to get things moving back. We need do need to get people back to work and kids back to school. Obviously, you saw my children running around. It'd be great to get them back in school. Uh, but but I do think that, that, you know, canceling schools and canceling sporting events and canceling large group gatherings, I do agree that was the right thing to do. Certainly the right thing to do at the time when we had little information. Uh, and we've seen that it has already helped save people's lives and, and prevented the most vulnerable people from catching this virus. Absolutely. Well, I want to, it's interesting because EDP, um, the initial mission was not um, for antibody testing for COVID-19. I mean, that's not why the company uh, was created and founded. And so you all have had one of the most significant pivots uh, and changes of any local organization. And what you all are doing is going to hopefully have um, an impact on our world and our society. Uh, obviously, our country being a part of that. Uh, but why don't you talk a little bit about what you all are initially set up to do and kind of what your initial goal looks like. And then we'll kind of get into um, the pivot and the change and, and what you all are doing right now and some of the, the work that's going on. Well, you're absolutely right. We were founded as a colorectal cancer uh, blood testing company. We initially set out with a mission to detect diseases early and to create cost effective diagnostic tools. Uh, which catch those diseases at their earliest stage when patient treatments and patient outcomes are the highest. Uh, Colorectal cancer is one of those, you know, we kind of call it a silent disease. We don't really talk about it very much, even though it is one of the top cancer killers globally, uh, either number two or number three, uh, depending on the country and and the population. And it's just one of those cancers that really has uh, very high probability of success, very high survival rates, when it's found in stage one. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the opposite is also true. Very poor survival rates and very poor outcomes when it's caught later in stage three and stage four. So EDP Biotech stands for Early Detection Products. True to our name, we went out to try to invent and discover uh, new types of diagnostic tests to catch colon cancer early. We were sort of uh, almost blessing in disguise because at the end of 2019 and kind of early 2020, we had just wrapped up a very large uh, clinical research study involving nearly 2,000 patients for our colon cancer blood test. Uh, and with that data having been generated, it's now being you know written up and published and things like that or, or about to be. And so when this pandemic hit, we were kind of at the right place at the right time. We had expertise. We had equipment for doing these types of blood tests and inventing new blood tests. Uh, we had team members that were, you know, previous medical technologists and were uh, board licensed, uh, you know, clinical lab directors that we could then get licensed in the state of Tennessee. And we had the capacity. We just finished a large study and we were ready to go. And and we saw this need. We talked to a lot of physicians locally that said, guys, antibody testing, we need this and we need it now. And this was probably February or early March. So, you know, we're we're now in the news hearing about something that was recognized on the ground a month or two ago. 
uh, and we're finally now catching up. And, and I think that that's kind of been the story overall. You know, the, the reaction or the response to this virus has is, is typically been a month or two behind what the doctors are seeing on the ground. Uh, so we hope to be able to make an impact. We want to make an impact locally. We're doing this as a service to Tennessee. Um, we're getting our, our board and state certifications and licenses so we can start this antibody testing and hopefully get some people feeling really positive and optimistic and, and get them back to work sooner. Yeah, that's awesome. We, getting back to work is important. I know we've had uh, here in Knoxville, there was a uh, uh, an open Tennessee. That might not be the correct term of the of the rally that they had near Westtown Mall, but there are certainly people that are passionate about um, getting our economy um, back stimulated, and I, I can understand their perspective, uh, but I can also understand the perspective of people that are saying, hey, you know, let's get some more data, let's, you know, be more cautious, um, and th that can't hurt um, in terms of people's health, and may continue to hurt our economy. Um, so there's, there's two sides, and both of them have um, what I think are actually very reasonable points. That's just me personally. Um, but let's talk about kind of what you all are doing right now for people that might not have had an opportunity to read about antibody testing. And we hit on a little bit when we first started. Um, where are we right now with what we know? What are the knowns about antibody testing in terms of how it relates to COVID-19? Uh, and then let's get into some of the unknowns and maybe some of the things that we're hopeful for. So what do we know right now and where does antibody testing stand as of today? Uh, great question. So right now, what we know is that, you know, our our own bodies will naturally create an immune response when we're met with any pathogen, whether it's a bacteria or a virus, uh, even some of the food we eat, right, will create an allergic reaction uh, because these are foreign substances that are coming into our bodies. Uh, this infection seems to travel through the nose and through the mouth uh, into the lungs. It's a respiratory virus. And so uh, it's, it's been difficult for us to find just a standard blood diagnostic. Usually you're going to have to get a swab. They like to say tickling the back of your brain uh, mm -hmm. in order to find this virus because you actually have to culture the virus from those uh, nasal passages. So what blood testing does is instead of looking for the virus itself or instead of looking for viral RNA or viral particles, we're looking for our natural antibodies, our response to the virus. This uh, does come with some issues, right? So we know that there's false negatives. We know that there's false positives associated with some of these tests. They're all very good tests, uh, but no test is perfect. And that's because our bodies have lots of antibodies in them, right? We create antibodies to things that we encounter every day out in the world. And so there's a lot of what we call cross-reactivity, uh, and there's this can create some issues with the test itself, but the tests are getting better. We know that there's uh, probably 50 or 60 different manufacturers around the world that are currently making these antibody tests and have been for about a month or two. Uh, we know as of either Thursday or Friday that three of those were FDA approved, uh, emergency use authorization approvals to be used, uh, which means that the FDA has reviewed all of the validation data. The good news was in response to this virus, because things were happening so fast, the FDA also allowed manufacturers like us and clinical labs uh, to begin performing just this antibody testing without requiring review. 
but that requires that we notify the FDA that we're doing it. We still have to validate the tests in our lab, uh, and we still have to provide that information to the physician, to the doctors, so that they can know how to interpret the test. So those are some of the things that we know. Uh, what we're starting to learn is just the, you know, starting to finally get some idea of what the prevalence may be of this disease in the population. Up until recently, we were only testing patients that came in with the high symptoms. We were testing the high risk patients. So we were going to places like nursing homes and, uh, and testing the healthcare workers themselves. And then of course, people that had coughs or were presenting with symptoms or that were, you know, the, the very severe cases, they were getting tests right away, which is great. That's what we need to do at the beginning. Uh, but that also skews the data. That kind of makes us think that things might be worse than they are, or it gives us a weird picture. So what we're starting to see now is more of the, what we call all comers testing. This is mm -hmm. testing the general population, not targeted to one high risk group or one uh, vulnerable group. Uh, some counties in the United States and some areas outside the United States have said, we're gonna test everyone in the county and we're gonna see how many patients actually have some antibodies, which you know, supposes that they've come in contact with the virus. If they had no symptoms, they probably had a very mild case, but the problem with that is they could have passed it on to lots of people while they had no symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that's the real scary thing about this disease is, is it seems to stay latent in your body for one to two weeks where you can still be contagious, still infect others, uh, and not even know it yourself. Mm -hmm. So the wide-scale testing is coming. I think it is crucial before we start to really have uh, smart policy created to get things reopened. I'm like you, Kenneth. I see both sides of the coin. Um, but from a healthcare perspective, to me, I think that we need to get that information. We need to know what the real prevalence is in this population. We need to know really how long these things transmit. Uh, one of the things that we talked about with uh, UT Medical Center was to try to, to study when the antibody response sort of, uh, and when the viral load sort of reaches a peak where the patient creates symptoms. So maybe you can tie that back and say, you know, if you're your antibody or your viral load is below a certain amount, maybe you're not showing symptoms, but as soon as it hits this point, now you've got symptoms. And we need to understand when that happens as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of things we don't know, uh, a lot of things we still need to learn. With improved and increased testing, um, with additional data, um, with additional information that we're able to gather right now, um, when do you think the picture will be, and I'm going to throw out an, an arbitrary number right now, just because... I like numbers. Um, when do you think we'll be able to be at 80% knowledge level? Will that be in June or will that be in September or maybe next January? When do you think we'll have the, the majority of the information that we need in order to make highly informed, highly detailed, science-based, data-driven um, projections and expectations, et cetera? Yeah, and, and you know, don't quote me on this. I'm not an epidemiologist by any means, but I think that we have been learning a lot very quickly. I think mm -hmm. that the entire international science community has turned their attention on this, and it's not going to be just the United States learning things. We're going to be learning from our neighbors, and they're going to be learning from us. Yeah. Uh, so I think that we're talking maybe a matter of 
another maybe one to two months. Like I said before, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, we should have a lot more information than we have today. And one of the reasons is uh, you talk to small labs like us, we're starting to do testing locally. You talk to the big labs, uh, the big reference laboratories that are nationwide, and you talk to the manufacturers that are you know, multinational corporations, they are planning to pump out millions and millions of these antibody tests by the end of this month. I mean, by the end of April. So we're talking a week or two to yeah. get, you know, five, 10, 20 million tests out into the population. Uh, so this is coming. We are going to very rapidly study this thing. And I think we can, you know, I think we're making good policy decisions, but I think we're going to make very smart, informed policy decisions within the next month or so. So what's next for you all? What is the next thing that you all are going to do? It's Monday right now. So um, we talked about wrapping up the month of April. What 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 are you all focused on for the next one to two weeks? Uh, for the next one to two weeks, we are getting materials in-house. Uh, so a lot of these test materials are going to become available towards the end of April, early May. Uh, there's been a huge shortage since then. We're also building some of our own materials in our lab, uh, doing cell culture and actually growing some of these particles, not growing the virus itself or propagating the virus, but uh, some of the antigens, uh, some of the spike proteins you hear about, things like that, uh, to help us make the test and help other manufacturers make the test. And then we're also finishing up our state licensing uh, exams and state licensing boards to get the final state approval. Uh, a lot of this response, uh, and, and perhaps rightly, has been delegated to the states. Uh, mm -hmm. The states have been given a lot of leeway as to under the federal guidelines of how they want to respond. And uh, the state of Tennessee, I think, has done it a very good job. Hi, Zach. Uh, <laughs> of, you know, making sure that uh, that labs are doing the right things and labs have the correct people in place and have the right licenses and have the right procedures. Um, and so that's sort of our final step before we can pull the trigger is to get those state licenses reinstated and, and get those exams done as soon as we can. Well, for just for me personally, to, to know that an organization, a company here in Knoxville is doing this type of work. I mean, this isn't something that, you know, every city in the country has, particularly, you know, every city the size of Knoxville. Mm -hmm. um, so the work that you all are doing is, is truly groundbreaking uh, and it can truly have an impact on people and in you know, another hemisphere. So um, that's exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as we as we wrap up, just anything else that you would like to say about kind of where you all are right now with regards to COVID-19 or or um, anything that you're seeing right now that you'd like to pass along to people that are watching? You know, just a couple of things. You know, first of all, I want to thank everybody that's on the front lines. Uh, you know, we talk about this essential in uh, business and essential employees. I think everybody's essential. And, uh, you know, I think that this is going to take a group effort. Um, but right now, I think the best thing people can do is just be smart about it. Uh, you know, stay at home, follow the orders if you can. If you can't, try to go out at least, you know, wear the face coverings, try to wash your hands as much as often. Just just listen to the guidelines. Right mm -hmm. now is the time that since we don't have a lot of answers, it's best to do the things that we know are, are working. Uh, and, you know, I would also just add to that that, you know, we I think we've got some really smart policymakers that are going to be making great decisions and already have. Um, you know, let's not rush to jump the gun, but let's make sure we're doing things in a smart way. And I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. And I think that this community of Knoxville is, is the perfect place for this type of, of work to happen. We have been 
growing in our uh, technologies coming out of UT and Oak Ridge and small private organizations have been innovating. Um, you know, the entrepreneur culture here in Knoxville, as you know, Kenneth, has yes. exploded over the last four or five years, maybe yep. a little bit longer than that. Um, so we've got a lot of good people here, a lot of good support, uh, the community that's supporting us. We couldn't do this without you. Um, and I'd say if there's any trained and board licensed medical technologists out there that uh, want to get involved with, uh, you know, doing some of this serology testing, uh, please get in contact with us, edpbiotech.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate, number one, your time, number two, your information, um, but most importantly, the work that you all are doing because uh, you all are definitely going to end up saving some lives. So thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Kenneth. That's the goal. Awesome. Okay. Best of luck this week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.